0: So I want to welcome you to River Church tonight in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're ministering on owning a revival culture, owning a revival culture. And so uh, that ought to interest you to own a revival culture, not just to be in a revival, not just to say I heard about it or read about it or historically there's been some great things. It's time for you and me to own a revival culture, to change my mind, to change the way I'm going. Now, we looked at uh, what culture is. A culture, just anybody's culture, is the values, the goals, and the practices of those people. So we in America, we, we have a culture. And in that culture, we have subcultures. We talked about them Sunday. We have the Midwesterners. We have the Eastern Seaboard. We have the California culture. It doesn't mean everybody's in, but you you definitely know about California being different than than Alabama. We we just know, and what's different about it? Well, besides the nice weather, they uh they think different, they do things different, they they're they're aspiring to things. So uh it's the values, goals, and practices that are embedded in your story. The story of your family, where you were born. You can't help where you were born, but unless your parents moved right after that, where they had you. Started pouring into your life, the culture. If you're born in the south, if you're born in the north, if you're born in Boston, you're going to speak different than hee hi ho in Alabama. So it's the thing that that is on us that intends to change us, so that we will propagate the culture. The south, we're definitely. If you if you don't ever move out of the south, you will propagate the culture. You will speak like the culture. You will think like the culture. You will uh, have goals like the culture. And it's because of culture. And I looked up, uh, I I was thinking today, and I asked Deborah to help me, about the Christian church. What is our culture that separates us from the secular part and even the pagans? What do all American churches do? Can you all help me with that? What is something that we all do? Methodist, Catholic, all of us do. What's one thing that we all do? We Well, I didn't even write that down because I didn't, I didn't really believe that. Let's write down prayer. Ah, that's a good one, Wendy. Prayer. Whether they do it or not, that's, they, they aspire to it. What's something else? She caught me off guard. Worship. Doesn't every church have a culture of worship, whatever that is. We're not defining it. We're certainly not saying it's like ours, but they have some culture of, says, a church ought to praise and worship. What's something else? Yeah, they assemble. Uh, I called it a social interaction. People in a church tend to socialize with people in their church. They don't necessarily go to, down the street. They, they socialize or they interact. That's good. Uh, What else? Doctrine. Doctrine. Yes, ma'am. We preach and teach doctrine. Every culture, a church culture, preaches some sort of doctrine. We're not judging if it's good or bad or how they do it, but everyone knows that's in a church culture. Uh, Something else. Evangelism. Outreach and benevolence. We reach outside of our church. Even though we're socializing in it, we reach out or think we should. It doesn't always mean that a church does it, but we all believe that a church should. Offering. Everybody gives in the church culture. Is that right? They support the work with an offering. And uh, that's everything I got, uh, plus prayer that Wendy brought. Good good girl. That was good. So uh, what then in the church culture in America anyway. Then it's broke down in into denominations, as it were, where there's dogma and doctrine that is specific to a particular group. The Pentecostal Church of God is different than the Church of Christ. Well, like they haul the same Bible in, but they certainly don't see it the way, same way, do they? And so there's differences there. Uh, and And in that, once you become a Church of God or an assembly or a Methodist or whatever, when you move... You look for a culture that you're used to, one that you are espousing, your culture. You don't go in there and say, well, you know, he parts his hair on the wrong side. I'm not coming here. No, we go in there and see if they do the six culture things, and then if their doctrine is similar to what we already believe. We hardly ever get out of our doctrine. And you go into a city, you'll see Chinatown, for instance. What's that all about? Well, all the China culture wants to group up with the China. Culture, is that right? Yes. Then, then you have uh, uh, different ethnic groups or races that tend to move together, work together. If you uh, if you go into church, a lot of them they'll sit together. They'll like you know because they got they got similarities, um, all all that stuff. But the culture now this is what I want to say: the culture, your culture is your constitution. You know, we got the Constitution. What what is unique about the Constitution? Any Constitution. It's unchangeable. It stays the same. Except except Alabama's. We we have a nineteen oh one and we amend it every other weekend. We just add gazillions. But but our American, our federal constitution, it's it takes a it takes a whale of a change to get an amendment or to change it or anything like that. It's pretty much stable. It's pretty much the same all the time. And so is our culture. And so once we get into a culture, we begin to in a culture, which means when you first get born again, you start going to church. And there's a transition from not going to church to going to church. And so we're in this COVID thing right now. And people that did go to church, they've locked them out. We know of a church that hasn't been going to church since March and still aren't going, and the pastor says it probably won't happen to the end of this year. Is that right? January. They're looking to January. and Yeah, and that's a maybe. And so they're all on, you know, something else. Well, you've got a culture of coming to church, coming to church, bringing your babies to church, putting them in children's church, and you disrupt that, it changes the culture. You can never go back without doing a lot of grinding and and wrenching. Because you've changed the culture. And everybody wants to go back, and everybody's upset they can't go back. But eventually, people are tempted to, when you change their culture, to change their mind or change their doctrine. So uh, we, until we get a new culture, we're bound by the culture we're in. You may want to get out. You may not be happy with the one you're in. You may be disgusted by the people that are uh, running your culture or running your group or running... You don't like the preacher, you don't like the deacons, you don't like the building, whatever. But culture will keep you someplace for a long, long time. And it'll take something quite dramatic to break you out. Well, the best way to do that is to take a culture like we have here at River Church, we are a Pentecostal culture. We're different than other churches in town. Although we have all those six tenets of uh, foundation of culture, Yet we deviate, or we update, or we expand, or whatever you say, and we have a perspective. We have a a look towards Holy Ghost. Now they all believe in Holy Ghost, but we we are active in the Holy Ghost, and we we speak in tongues, and we believe in the gifts of the Holy Ghost being active and and uh, alive in the. And we believe in some different things that other churches do, but the best way to get into a revival culture is to take a culture and move it slowly to another culture. It's not good to just, like COVID, shut down a church and say you can't come until next year from March and then, then not expect it to be changed. You get immersed in that, and pretty soon you can't hardly go back to that because you get used to what you're in. Well, we're going to endeavor, it, it'll be up to everybody, to change the culture here at River Church, change it to upgrade it, and put in or add on to a revival culture. We're Pentecostal, and we're woo-hoo, we we want a move of God, but that doesn't always happen every time we meet. We don't always follow a protocol of God will move because we're in this room. We're just being honest here. And you can have someone come in, and they'll... Y'all remember uh, Myers, what was his name? Jack Myers, Well, you know, he could come in and he just had it was wonderful and you could move it. But without a culture to sustain it within a week or two, everybody is settling back down because it takes a culture. It takes a, something from the inside that says, I'm looking for this. I'm wanting this all expecting all the time. And if you just get a taste of it, if you just get a uh, you go through the storm, as it were, then when the storms quits, we go back. So it takes time to change culture. That's what they're trying to do, supposedly, in our nation, is move it to the left. And it takes a long time to move a culture that's been 200 years in one mode to move it to another mode. But that's, what, that's what's going on, they say. I'm not here to be political. I'm just saying that it's, we're in a cultural change right now. But I told you, Sunday, it's time for the church to have fun. That's a cultural change. Fun at church. Yeah. Well, I, no, God don't like fun at church. Well, that's been cultural. We're stiff and the preacher yells at you and, and uh, prays you close to hell as he can and then jerks you back to get you saved. I mean, that's culture. You sinners! <laughs> you know, and it works. There's a, the Word says there's a ministry of, of condemnation. It works. Condemnation. You can raise kids under condemnation, and it will have some effect, but you won't like the culture that it brings. But it will, it will have some results. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Oh, my. Well, I don't know if we have time to read Acts chapter 2. Well, we'll, read, we'll just read verse 1. And it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that was a culture. Pentecost was their culture. And that doesn't mean today what, then what it does today. Uh, we've adopted this name, Pentecost, because of the date that the Holy Ghost was poured out on. We just say, well, that's, our do- that's what we call it. But it was a feast, a Pentecostal feast, and when it was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The Lord moved them into a, an addendum of their culture. The Holy He said, go to the upper room and, uh, and wait, tarry, until the Holy Ghost be poured out on you. And they were all one accord. They were all under that word, wait. And they waited. And then, sure enough, God showed up, didn't he? Hallelujah. And then we went, uh, Sunday, we went through verses 41 through 47. So culture is the way of life for a group of people. Now, I was thinking this, and I thought, that's inappropriate. But when I got here, I said, I'll say it anyway. (laughs) Ah. have you ever been in a culture where everybody just in the family, they ran around in their underwear? Is that, is that weird? Yeah. That's weird, huh? Okay, well, if you got a bunch of sisters, maybe it is. But uh, we were all boys at house, and so it didn't matter. It was just mother, and she's not a girl. She's just, you know, mom. So, But there's cultures where that would be, you don't come out like father knows best. You don't come out until your tie's tied and your cufflinks are in. You're not, you're not even winging it going out the door with your cufflinks. That's culture, individual family cultures. Maybe that was a bad example. <laughs> Hallelujah. I did say underwear. I didn't say th- something else. Hallelujah. So what is your spiritual culture? We all have to say, do we know we have one? How do you do things? How do you like things done? Sometimes we, you know, we rub the cat the wrong way and we have to turn the cat around. Uh, but culture is like how you do in church and how you don't. We we had someone that came to a service a long time ago and it just it just rubbed the cat the wrong way because we didn't just sing the songs and quit and sit down. We just kept going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. You're so good and we just kept going and it just it just it got them in a wide. It just got them, and they, they mentioned it several times to somebody and said, I don't believe in that. You go, really? Well, that's what culture will do. You get used to this, and you stop it, and you don't have any excitement, and you don't like people that amen. You don't like people that raise their hands. You don't like the song on the screen. Remember when it was on the screen? We don't like that. So it takes a long time to move culture. And so it's, it's, it's challenging to get people to come to a church that is so different than their culture, and so what you have to do is you have to go to them one in one one on one in their ki- on their kitchen table and in their living room, and you have to show them and you have to you have to pray for them and you have to get them healed, and they see that edge of the culture, the signs part, and then they want to know more. Well, do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost no. What will it do? And you tell them, and they say, well, okay, well, you know, and, and finally, we all did. We all spoke in tongues. But none of us were saying, were, you know, "we didn't." it didn't come fast. Now, the Bible plan is for us to get born again and Spirit-filled, same time. To actually, same time, I mean, when you come up out of the water to get the Holy Ghost. That's, that's a pattern. I'm not saying it's the only pattern. So we are endeavoring to change our culture to a word-based and embedded expectation. We don't even know what it is, but we want a move of God in our midst. We're always thrilled when it goes that way. Not everybody, but everybody that's in the culture that's wanting to move is thrilled, and we have a conviction that says we would all vote for a move of God at River Church and in Tuscaloosa and in Alabama, uh, we want something that's so powerful that it swallows up the secular, that the naysayers. And we've seen that in America. Uh, uh, Charles Finney, you know, goes into town and starts preaching and all the, the bars close and everybody uh, starts going to church. Just an amazing move of God. And uh, who was it that went down the train uh, aisle on, a, on an old train and people were just getting healed as he kind of like Peter in his shadow. Just we want that. We're not afraid of that. We may have used to be, but we're not. So we want to talk, I want to talk about a revival culture. A, a revival culture, and that it begins with spiritual family. And we're going to go home to our families after this meeting. We're going to all go home to a different place. We know the address. We know how to get there. We, we're not going to Lynn's house tonight. We don't think he feeds good at night. But uh, But when we come together, we have a family experience that's not separate, even though we're not, you know, there's things going on that keep us separated, but it shouldn't be anything but our old culture. In other words, we should have every race in this room. There was a short sliver of time, I don't know if y'all remember it, but when we were out west of town, there was a short sliver of town, an American Indian came in and we had all five. I mean, it, I think it's just one time. We had three and four, there's five, you know, there's five different races. And anyway, that's what it should be. And if it's not, it's not because we're weird or not cultured that everyone would be welcome. Matter of fact, we'd go after them. And we should have every gender. Now, some people, their culture says that women can't preach. And so they are, they are just half alive. Because women can do the job. And if you give them five more minutes they'll do they'll do the job and clean it up and, and mop it up and and it'll be great um, we're in a culture right now or I'm in a culture of uh, spiritual fathers I have found my spiritual fathers over the years I wasn't looking for them so much but I was open to them and I've told you all about them uh, you know brother Hagan just gosh I got the Holy Ghost and didn't know what from down and so somebody gave me him and brother Copeland and I'd, I was on a farm and I farmed all day and I just listened to the tapes all day, all day, all day. I'd put one in, turn it over, a cassette, and then put it back in and turn it over. And then I put it back in the box, pulled it out. And so that changed my life and he became my spiritual father. And then after that, I had other spiritual fathers like Charles Capps. Never met Charles Capps, but he was a spiritual father to me and uh, I gave to his ministry and that. And then, uh, you know, Dr. Cole. I have a spiritual brother in my life right now. Uh, this is Pastor Eric West. It, it's supernatural. It's not, like, it's not like we like the same ice cream or that we like, you know, we, we go hunting together or whatever. It ha- we have, matter of fact, we're, we're somewhat different than each other in a lot of ways. But God put him with me, and he is more of a brother to me than any of my blood family. And that's Supernatural. And it's not like I got bad brothers and I'm looking for somebody. But uh, because when everybody was not mad at me, if there ever was a time, he, he was my brother. But but you ought to have somebody that you can call, of course, your spouse, but that you can call and say, pray. And that's all you have to do is say, pray. And I have two or three people in my life that that's all I'd have to do is say, pray and hang up. And the machine would turn on for me you go, well, that's impossible. No, it's not. God will do it, but you got to be open to it. you got to be looking for it. And I'm always looking for it. That's my little ice cream ministry is I'm, I'm trying to connect to people. And I write cards. I'm trying to connect to people. And some of y'all are the result, you may not even know it, of some point in the back where something connected. You were fixing to veer off and you got a card from me or somebody, but from me. That pro- prophesied to you or said something, and you said, "Well, I'm going to wait more, one more week. This I want to see what this is about." And so we just kept staying in there until finally we're hooked. <laughs> Holy Ghost is goddess. and so I want to thank my brother Eric Quest. I want to thank him for putting up with me. I'm I'm quite the jagged little pill at times, uh. <laughs> and uh, but I'm on fire, and I'm intense. Not everybody likes on fire and intense, but it'll get you somewhere. Maybe get you in the wrong spot, but you can always repent and back out. So I'm going to encourage you that God wants us to at least have a relationship one with another. And you go, well, I don't know about that. Well, we didn't put each other together in this room. None of us said, can I have a list of them and I'll decide if I'm coming. We we showed up for him. And then we looked around and said, who was here? it didn't really matter because we were all in one place in one accord for him. And that decision made us say, I'm in love with you in the the Lord. I'm in love with you. I like you, even though I wouldn't have liked you in the secular realm. I like you. That's a lot of people that have come into the church. They're not that likable, but uh, the Lord just put it on them. So, um, In a family, God hides the keys, not always, of acceptance and approval. You can mess up right here in River Church. You can come up here and sing like me, and we won't even throw stuff at you. Now, if I get up here, I might get a few hits, but you can mess up in River Church. Listen to me. Listen to me. We're family. You can do anything. You should get up here. You should be asking me, can I I preach for five minutes? And you go, oh, I wouldn't do that. All those people and everything, we're family. And if not here, where? You ought to ask somebody over. I've been harping on this. You ought to ask somebody over. Save up. Pick up some aluminum cans somewhere and cash in and take somebody. It will change your life. Not because they will change your life, but it'll open you up to people is what we need. Two is better than one. And my friend in Jemison, he's two that's better than one. And, of course, our wives now, you know, we're all close and everything, but it's not weird. It's not weird like some people count. Well, if you're close to someone, you're weird. There was a time where, where girlfriends could hold hands and, and nobody thought anything. It's like they're either sisters or they're girlfriends. And we just always said, isn't that grand? Isn't that cute? Now, we didn't like boys holding hands. We never have liked that. But you could have two guys that would go off on a hunting trip or a camping trip or fishing trip, and we'd go, well, that's friends, and we've lost that through the homo, homo, uh, the gay thing. We've lost that. We we don't trust anybody that is liking someone of the same gender, and we've let that in. And it's I don't like that. I don't like that the that agenda got the rainbow. I don't like it that got the color pink. Used to, you could do the rainbow and you could do pink, and it wasn't meaning anything. Well, I may be getting off the subject here a little bit, but they've stolen some precious things from us, and it shouldn't be. Okay, I'm going to change my mind here. I'm going to do something different. Uh, Yes, ma'am, I am. Where should I go, Lord? Well, I'll just talk about this for a second. There's a family test. And I've noticed this. This is personal, but I think it's happening in everybody. Uh, The family test is uh, when someone questions your motives. I did something nice for somebody a couple years ago, something real nice. I I gave them a watch. I took my favorite watch and I ordered a new one and had it sent to them. So it's about one hundred seventy dollars. It was, a really, it was my favorite. It wasn't that it was so wonderful, but it was my favorite, and you send what you like. And I got a card back from him saying, what's this for? What do you want? He was real mean. And I said, I love you, sir. I love you. I just, it, it was kinfolk. I love you. And I just, he said, well, why would you do that? I said, well, you, it's actually a brother. I, I tell all, don't I? Hallelujah. But And I, he said, I, I want to know why you really did it. I said, because I, we have the same mother. We have the same father. And, and it never did go well. And I realized then to start watching it, and I've noticed that lots of people question my motives when I'm kind. And it shouldn't be that way in family. You've got to pass the family test, where when somebody gets blessed, you just lose it. Yay, my brother, my sister got blessed, got a promotion, got, I'm so excited for them. Why? Because we're family. Instead of like, well, that's nice. I don't know why they gave it to them, though. I thought somebody else ought to get it. I thought I ought to get it or whatever. See, that's what happens. And it's just wrong. Uh, Family is such a high value to God. He's God the Father. Jesus is the Son. And so everything in, in heaven is structured. Everything on earth is structured with family. And we, I know I've been pounding this. This is my third or so time to talk about this. Uh, We've got to get it right. And we cannot have a revival culture unless we work on it. Now, I'm not looking out there and saying, y'all hadn't been working on it, so I'm going to work on you. I don't know and don't want to know. I, there's no uh, oversight on this. Do what you will. I myself am going to do what I will for me. And then I'm going to preach the word for revival culture. And then whatever you do, I'm satisfied. I'll just say, Lord, I preached it. I lived it. If they want it, we can have it. If not, tell me what else to do. Is that all right? So if y'all don't ever ask anybody or send a card or, or are friendly to them, it won't matter to me because uh, I'm going to and it's going to work out for me. And I wrote down here, God's family is a kiss from a good God. Family is a kiss from a good God. In other words, when you have a friend, even if they're kinfolks. I have a little brother that's real good to me. Didn't used to be, but now he's real good to me. And I was like, he's kinfolks, but he's family. You know, you can have some rough kinfolks. But you can't get rid of them. So you have to grind them out. Um, So you have to pass the motive test with family. Can you rejoice with one another? Can you help somebody? And just say, hey, you've got to do that. I'm coming over Saturday to help you. Suddenly something happens more than whatever he was doing getting done. It puts you in a position that you took you off the pedestal, took you off the main event, what you were doing, what you were needing to do, and you went and gave it to somebody else. Now, I'm telling you that's powerful. It's real powerful. And you go, that can't be powerful. That's too easy. It's too simple. It's too, everybody can do that. Anybody can do that. I'm telling you, it's powerful and it's hidden and you should find it. Uh, uh, But I did, I get asked, I've been asked several times, why did you do that good thing? We think you're a fake. We think you've got a motive. We think uh, that you don't have good motives. And I've been accused of a lot of that. And in family, you can sit in a church and not join the family. It's not only possible, that's generally what happens. And, of course, the larger the church, the more anonymous you are, and you can stay on the fringes, you can even be critical. If if you're anonymous, if you don't have anybody that you're linked to, you can come when you want to, criticize, and leave when you want to. But you'll never have that two is better than one. And so what we do and what we should do, while we're this size, while we're what we consider, the world considers a small church, we ought to do what small churches do better than anybody else. We have a great advantage in many arenas. You may say, well, we don't have a singles group, we don't have youth group, and all that's true. But we have great advantages, and our advantage is family. So we ought to engage it, capitalize on it, and bear the fruit of it. And then whatever the Lord wants to do in the future with River Church and Big, small, or whatever. We don't care, but we're going to maximize and capitalize on every level, every area we are. We don't even look in here and say, this is a negative. We say, this is a positive. It doesn't have everything positive, but it has some things positive that the big ones don't have. Let's, let's, let's do that. Amen. And you can be pleasant in a, in a church and never initiate a relationship. How I met Pastor West was at a meeting of, of Leroy Thompson at Word of Life Christian Center in uh, Birmingham. I just moved here. This was October of 96. I just moved here in January, February. And uh, he was there from his church. I was there from uh, wherever I was then. I, I wasn't in a church. And uh, he was behind me, and they said, meet and greet. And I turned around, best I remember, and I greeted him. And uh, he was a young pastor at that time. He'd just been pastoring a couple years. And he asked me about me, like men do, what do you do? And I said, Well, I'm traveling. I came from Texas, I had a church, Lord said move to Birmingham, and I'm traveling. And he said, Well, what are you doing? I told him, I'm teaching on promotion that comes from the Lord. He said, Well, would you come to Jemison or Clanton? It was Clanton there. And of course I said, Of course. <laughs> Should I pay you a hundred dollars now for me to come, or or two hundred? dollars what's your price, and I'll give it now and, and come. And it just it just worked. I mean, the Lord just boom. And so here we go. Uh, I have other friends, and I tell y'all about relationships. That some of them you you just cross them, leave something, or pick up something. Some of them you 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 run into, and you run away a ways, and then you cross out and go. We have church members that come. Some of them are come to they don't even know it, but they come to bring finances. We ask God. God, we're calling this funded. He sends somebody in that's not really interested in us, really doesn't have a thing, but they got money. And they give it to God and they're glad to give it to God, and we're glad they gave it to God. And we cash the check. <laughs> and we made it then. We the ends meet and overlap, and then something else comes in. You may think this is carnal, but this is not. This is how he works. You go, no, God just grows it on trees and he just shondies it in. Not where I've been preaching. He brings it in with people. And then, you know, then they'll leave and somebody else will come in and he always has a way. And so when someone told me, you know, you can't if you don't get rid of that Patricia King uh, glory school, we're going to leave. And they were the way biggest givers in the church. We're going to leave. And they kind of threw down on me. Well, you know, I don't throw down on too good. We we dialed up number six after number five and showed that puppy the next week, you know. Can we stream this into their house? Well, they were gone. But the Lord just brought it in. I mean it's a lot of money every month. A lot. And the Lord just brought in it. He just He just met our needs. That's what He'll do for you. But that's family. We were we if someone threatens the family, we just close ranks and say, not today, not anyway. We close ranks on the family. We don't say you're on your own. We, If it comes against you, it comes against me. If you rejoice, we all get excited. I know that seems too good to be true in a church, and it is unusual, but it's what we should have in the end days if we want to be doing, our, doing what we're called to do. River Church, is, is, we're different. And I, we could do this everywhere in town. They're doing it all over town, but we're we're different. So we should do what he called us to do. And then I um, let's see ah, oh, that's speeding clock. So when you sow to family, listen, I'll say this. When you sow into family, your motives, right? You're not trying to get anything out of them. You're not trying to set up a business deal. You're not trying to see if you can borrow their tractor or whatever. You just you just blessing people because you've been blessed. Have you all been blessed? We're so blessed. I mean, just so, so blessed and so much blessed. And I can tell you, we talk about if you've got indoor plumbing, you're blessed. <laughs> if you've got a refrigerator, you, you can dance the hoogie boo all week and just say, isn't Jesus wonderful? But we got so much more than that. And so the Lord wants to bless you with family. Family is very satisfying, but family is very tenuous. We all struggle with family. It's like the best things in life are also the most challenging of life. Church is very challenging, but when you get it right, it is so satisfying and so gratifying when you get church right. But everybody you talk to has got a bad experience, and they're done. It's like, I'm out of here, and they turn from God. And that's wrong. Love is our test. The word says in John 13:35, "By this shall all men know that ye are disciples if ye have love for one another." That's what the Lord Jesus says. He said, "By this, what is this, Lord? Shall all men know that ye are my disciples? I want to be a disciple, if you have love for God, no, it says, if you have love for one another. Well Lord, I'd rather just love you. He said, No, you gotta love Joey and Melissa and Shanita. You got you gotta love them. Ah, oh, Lord. So you put the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, you just put that on, and all of a sudden, this is not hard. And you start getting love. Um, I want to turn to this scripture and then then we will quit. It's in Luke chapter six. The Lord gave me this scripture, so I have to, I have to bring it. Luke chapter 6. This is one of my very favorite scriptures. I've got several. We sang two of them tonight that are my very favorite. Luke chapter 6. The Lord Jesus is speaking, and he says uh, a lot of things in verse uh, in verse 31. He says, and if ye would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. What is that? That's a golden rule, isn't it? And then he goes on. He says, for if ye love them which love you... What thank have ye for sinners also love those that love them? Ooh, scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye for sinners also do the even the same? And if ye lend to them of whom we hope to receive, ye hope to receive. What thank have ye for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again? Here it is. But love ye, ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. He's prophesying here. Nobody's born again. And this, this right here, this is it right here. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. It's how God operates with all men. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. I am not. I want to be, I'm doing better, I'm working on it. I'm not like I used to be, but if you're unthankful, I generally, just in my soul, I had not got much use for the unthankful. I work with the evil before the unthankful. But God says they don't bother Him a bit. And Jesus said, do, do just like the Father. Like Him. Be kind unto the unthankful, unto the evil. So I'm, I'm working on this. I work on this all the time. And when I get agitated at somebody that I've blessed and helped and and poured into and they just walk away, just walk away. Don't don't say anything, don't do anything. There's nothing ever happened. I go I'm going to have to work on that cuz I don't like it. And the truth is none of y'all do either. We like to be petted. You did good, I'm going to pet you. And so uh the, the Amplified says he is kind and charitable and good to the ungrateful, selfish, and wicked. The BBE, I forget what it means. He is kind to evil men and to those who have hard hearts. You go, well, I don't know about that. Well, he was kind to us in those same conditions. He was so gracious. If only we got what we deserved, we'd say, thank you, Lord. Uh, the young says he's kind of the, the ungracious and the evil. I've brought this book. Uh, now this is my third week, and I can't read it tonight. But if you will read 1 Corinthians 13, you know the love chapter. Verses uh I'm sure you know those too. Uh one through eight. And I'll read you the last one Uh, love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others love never takes failure as defeat for it never gets up and love never stops loving so family we're family and we love each other you have to say it by faith but we love each other i 'm getting where i can't hardly let a a beggar or a uh, you know those guys at Sam's that just come up and says i i i need to go to grandma 's house i don't have to i I have to give i 'm not telling you to but i 'm just saying i just don't want to miss it and so i you know he's working on me and i'm kind of a i'm a jagged little pill sometimes but he's working on me and i'm i'm going to be I'm going to be real good by faith. (laughs) So, Lord, we thank you for helping us be family. We don't even know who's in the room. We don't even know what they believe or how they hurt. But we don't care because love just never gives up. And we ask you to let the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost be poured out on our spiritual family, the family that you set severally in the body, as it has pleased you. Well, if it pleased you, Lord, it sure is good enough for me. So I love River Church. I love every member, and I love every person that's coming into River Church. I love them by faith and in advance. And I'm already being built up and prepared and funded in order to help them and bless them when they come in. And, Lord, you are always enough to let love work. We praise you, Lord, for a great revival culture in River Church. We are known as Revival Church. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Boy, that was good church tonight. Hallelujah. Ida Bahaso yes. kida Bahaso tida bahasai. Nena mando zega de vihi siaga labehe. <laughs> Hora giasot, tida bahani anduze go yasai. Now, if you've got that, let's be bold. Let's just all be bold. If you've got that, please stand up and give that. Please, this is family. You can do it. Nobody can mess up in family. This is that day, saith the Lord, that I have called you to and that I have groomed you for. I've been preparing you, saith the Lord, for this and that. But now is the time for this and that to come forth. And so I will speak to you, saith the Lord, in the nighttime. I will talk to you as you drive down the road, as you meditate on things. I will give you secrets and mysteries that you have not known of. And I will reveal them to you and pour them out in you. And you will think how smart I suddenly am. But I, saith the Lord, will be your wisdom, and I will open doors that you cannot open. I will close things against you that you could not shut, and I will protect you, and I will put my good hand on you. And you will begin to live the glorious life, saith the Lord. You will begin to live the glorious life, the life that I had prepared for you before you leave this planet. And surely, saith the Lord, I will make a way where there seems to be no way. I will do it for you, saith God. Become family one with another. Put on the burden and the suffering that's involved with taking in someone else to your life. And saith the Lord, I will make it up, I will make it up, I will make it up to you. And you will be glad, saith the Lord. Amen. Well, amen. Now, did anybody have that? Okay, we'll start getting that. Because I'm not the only horse in the. In the barn. I'm a good horse, but I'm not the only horse. And we can all pull. Yay. Well, let's receive our.